You ready? Ready for the word? Oh, praise God. Uh, open your Bibles. Let's see. Open your Bibles to Mark chapter 7. Let's start there this morning. Mark chapter 7. We're going to return to the series that we had begun that we're simply calling The Truth About Divine Healing. It is vitally important that we know the truth. Jesus said, of course, you know this, John chapter 8, verse 32. He said, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. Amen? So living free from any binding, hindering, hurtful thing. And God, he's not in, he's never behind anything that would bind you, hinder you, hurt you. Amen. Rob, steal from you. That's never God. Never God. John 10.10 says that it's the thief that does that. He comes only to steal, to kill, and destroy. But Jesus said, I am come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. We're not going there. Eventually in this series, we might get there. I hope we do. Galatians chapter 3. You're in Mark 7. I'm coming there. Um, But in Galatians chapter 3, it says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. In Deuteronomy, of course, chapter 28, beginning in around verse 14, 15, on through the end of that chapter, goes on for verse after verse after verse. It describes the curse of the law, right? And it includes every form of sickness, disease, tragedy, pain, and destructive force, including poverty that is known to man. Galatians, are you happy about it? Galatians 3, 13 says, Christ has redeemed us. That means sitting there today as a child of God, you are redeemed from poverty. You are redeemed from mental illness. You are redeemed from torment, depression, oppression, sin, addiction, bondage, and sickness, disease, and pain. Tragedies, accidents of every kind. Amen. That's good news. But we can't walk in that apart from knowing the truth about that. And it's sad to me still today that right here at the end of the cusp of the church age, there are so many of God's family down here on the earth that think that God is actively or indirectly behind everything in their life, including the bad stuff. And I'm here to tell you, He's not. From the very beginning, God told the first man, the first woman, take dominion, have dominion. And this is what people understand. They want to say, well, God is sovereign. I agree with you. God is sovereign. But that just means that there's none higher. But God being sovereign does not mean that he's going to do for you what he told you to do. This is where a lot of Christians are missing it and why Christians are living defeated, struggling lives. They're wanting God to do what he told them to do. Jesus said, behold, I give unto you power. That that word there is authority over all the power, the ability of the enemy so that nothing by any means can hurt you. That's Luke chapter 10 around verse 17. Think about that. Behold, I give unto you power. Well, he expects your faith to do something, Dakota, with that power. He gave you the authority. And he expects you to use and exercise the authority he gave you. We know that faith speaks. Jesus said, say unto the mountain. 
Well, if you don't say, you're still wanting the mountain to move. You're wanting God to do for you what he told you to do. God moves in turn. And if you don't take your turn, he can't move. He moved first by paying for everything, redeeming us, making it legal for us to have blessed lives, to be the righteousness of God, to have an audience with the Father. He redeemed us from the curse, but now it's our turn. It's our turn to use our faith. Like the last Wednesday night I was here, we talked about uh, prayer and the promises. You've got to take those exceedingly great and precious promises and with your faith, and that includes your mouth, amen, make a demand on those promises. When you do that, like my wife was singing this morning in that first song, no word returned unto him is void of power. See, he sent his word and he expects you individually to return it back to him. See, he, he sent his word out generally. Psalm, uh, what is that, 107, uh, around verse 20 says that he sent his word and healed us. Yes. Well, see, he sent his word into the earth and it's got healing in it. Yeah. But how that becomes, Jerry, for you individually is when you send that general word back to him out of your mouth from a faith-filled heart, now it's going to become yours. He's going to move again, manifesting his word in your life. You could say it this way. All the promises and blessings of God are voice activated. They're voice activated. They're voice activated. You've got God. God still has the heavy lifting. He's the one that's going to pay your bills. He's the one that's going to manifest the favor. He's the one that sent the angels to protect you from car accidents and different things. He's the one that's going to actually make the pain leave your body. You're not doing that. Our little part is to believe and say, believe and say, believe and say, believe and act like what he said is true. But even that little thing, if you and I don't do that, he's not going to do for you what he told you to do. What are we saying? This is part of the truth. We can't get to freedom without the truth. Well, one of the, Mark 7, one of the greatest things, one of the giants that stands in the way of people from discovering the truth is tradition. Tradition. I am a traditional guy. I, I like, you know, sometimes my family has suggested we do stockings first at Christmas. No, no, we ain't doing that. We never do that. We have never done that. We open the stockings last. It is the cherry on top of the Christmas. We, we, we do not open them Christmas Eve. We do not open them first. Not at my house. I'm, I'm grateful for the gifts that I run up, but I look forward to getting a new pair of fingernail clippers. I look forward to getting a brand. I've used that toothbrush all year. I'm ready to get a new toothbrush. In my stocking. Hey, listen. You do you. That kind of tradition is fine. You know, my, my dad, God bless him. I love my daddy. There came a time where he, uh, in, in his role of patriarch, he and Grammy decided, we done with all this cooking stuff for holidays. We're going to have Thanksgiving at the, uh, what was it? The Golden Corral. So if you want to have Thanksgiving with us, you're going to come to go. I thought, oh my God, I don't think I'm going to make it. <laughs> you really dumbed it down. You changed it, Dad. You changed it, Pops. You changed it. 
We don't do that. It's tradition. See, my dad carved the turkey. Then they dumbed it down even more. They didn't even go to Golden Corral. They started ordering Domino's pizza. That ain't Thanksgiving. Now, I think he's revived it a little bit now, and he does smoked brisket mac and cheese. Much better, much better. See, some tradition is fine. But there's a kind of tradition that will flat kill you. Absolutely. And religious spirits love to infect people with tradition. Jesus himself said about tradition in uh, Mark chapter 7 verse 13. He said, making the word of God of none effect. Of none effect. You just rot, right? That's to think about that. All that is said about the power that's in the word. It's alive. It's sharper than any two-edged sword, right? It pierces asunder and divides a distinction between soul and spirit. Uh, the, it's the incorruptible seed. It is the word of God. And yet it could have no, no effect. No effect. None effect. How did they make the word of God of none effect? It says through your tradition. Through your tradition. You can neutralize the healing scriptures and render them null and void in your own life if you hold to a tradition that you were taught that was not, did not harmonize with the Bible. Things like, yes, God can't heal, but he doesn't always. Well, he can heal and he doesn't always because not everyone will let him. Not everyone will receive it. Not everyone knows the truth. So they remain bound. Amen. People say, well, God at times chooses to put sickness on us to teach us something. No, he doesn't. You might learn something. You might learn something. But that wasn't, God didn't put that on you for that. Amen. God only permits sickness actively from heaven in the form of judgment for people in their sin and disobedience. He has to take his protective hand off of them because sin opens the door. And the devil, what does he do? He steals, he robs, he kills, he destroys. There is judgment. There is such a that. But we're not living under judgment. I mean, if your heart's right and if you miss it, you repent. You know, we have a department in our state of uh, child and human services, right? Child welfare. What if, I, what if I took Faith when she was six and I said, all right, honey, the day has come. We're going to learn the lesson that the stove is hot. And I like that ceramic flat top stove up, really orange and hot, and said, today, honey, you're going to learn a valuable lesson. You're just going to worship me really good after this. I am such a good heavenly father. You're going to learn today an important lesson that the stove is hot. And I put her hand on that stove for five seconds. And the Department of Child and Human Services found out about that. Would they, they go, you're just like God. You're such a good God. We don't understand. He works in mysterious ways. But you're, 
you're such a good parent. No, they, they have more sense than that. They take that child from me, put me in jail and punish me as I ought to be punished. It is paramount to saying, when you say, when you think that God puts cancer on anyone to teach them something, you're saying God is that guy. I would not serve that God. I just plainly tell you I would not serve that God. Thank God that is not the God that we serve. We have to be very, very careful about uh, rendering the word of God of no effect by holding to a tradition, no matter how long it's been held to, no matter how sincerely it's been taught from pulpits and believed, if it's wrong, it's wrong. If it cannot be backed up with scriptures, 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 amen, then it's wrong. And the way to live free is to accept the truth, to humble yourself and to actually think, say, you know what? I know I've believed this for a long time. I know Papa believed it. I know Grandma believed it. But I see different. I see it different. And I humble myself to the truth of God's Word. Well, see, now you can be free. Whereas congregations across the land that believe the latter will remain sick because of the tradition that they hold. I'm telling you, it's life and death what church you decide to attend. Life and death. Amen. No, of course, not everyone that I've prayed for has been healed. Of course, but that's not on God's side. It's either on my side or on the one I'm praying for side. And it doesn't make me evil or wrong or bad. It doesn't make them evil or wrong or bad. It just could mean we don't know something we need to know. Hello? I've heard statements over the years, and I'm sure you have too. I know they were believing. I know Grandmama was believing. And oh, she prayed, she prayed, and God just didn't heal her. So it wasn't His will. You do not know. You do not know. That's the problem. You do not know what Grandma said when you weren't around. You do not know what was going on in the inner recesses of her spirit that God was dealing with her about forgiving her playground playmate from kindergarten from 40 years ago that she's been bitter about all this time. You do not know. What we do know is what the Bible says. That's what we know. I never look at someone's experience and decide my doctrine based on what I saw happen or not happen in their life. This is where I get my doctrine. Right here. Right here. If I die tonight in tragic circumstances, I failed. God didn't. And don't be too hard on me. We all miss it at times. But let's not take human frailty and our propensity to miss it and blame the perfect one. God is not responsible for the failure. When I say the failure to receive healing from pancreatic cancer was on my grandpa's side, that is not a disrespect or a hit to my grandpa. It did not mean that he did not love Jesus with all of his heart. And it did not mean that he believed something. You know, God told Brother Hagin lying on his deathbed as a 16-year-old boy, he said to the Lord in tears, he said, Jesus, if you, were a, if you appeared to me, if you were standing right here beside my bed, and you looked at me, Jesus, and said, you know, your problem, son, is, is that you don't believe. He'd say, I'd have to look at you with all sincerity, Jesus, and say, you're lying about it. I do believe. 
And when he said that out loud, the Spirit of God spoke right up in his heart, he related. And he said, he heard this in his spirit. He heard the Lord say, you do believe as far as you know. See, he was sincere and he was believing, yet healing wasn't manifesting. Why? Because he wasn't believing with enough accuracy. There were things he was missing about the flow and the operation of what it meant to believe God. We don't get to define ourselves what believing is. We get that knowledge from the Word. Are you with me? I think a lot of people, we, we look at people in, the, in their sincere love and dedication for Jesus and their heart crying out to God for healing and it doesn't come. We make this false judgment. There is no other conclusion to make except that that was God's will. Listen, the Bible says the effective, fervent, continued prayer of a righteous man makes power available. Notice the prayer has to be effective. Amen. James didn't tell the congregation, call an elder of the church and prayer will save the sick. Right. He said the prayer of faith Amen. will save the sick. You better, if you're going to have a minister pray for you, according to James chapter 5 and anoint you with oil, you might want to find out if they have faith or not. Do they believe this stuff or not? Or are they going to walk away when you leave and go, well, I hope that works. We'll see what happens. Ha, ha, ha. Are you with me? I believe you're with me today. We've got to know the truth. And the thing that's standing in the way of the truth being known and received by so many is tradition. You would do well periodically to take an inventory of every critical thing that you believe. Every critical thing that you believe. Did God fail because my spiritual father died in an airplane crash? Did God fail? Of course not. Pastor Nancy's never said that. Amen. We know that that's not right. Dr. Dufresne, if he could, if he would, he would, not, he would say, he would not say God failed. And it doesn't mean that Dr. Dufresne was not a prophet of God. It meant that he was a human also. Hallelujah. It's okay, little bit, you get quiet. These are very serious things. These are life and death matters. And when you stand beside the hospital bed of a loved one, you need to remember the truth. Because when you're looking at death and it's your loved one, amen, and prayers have been made and it's getting worse and not better, you better know if you won't break through, if there's any chance for you to be able to minister to them and turn that with them and for them. See, that's another thing. You can't turn something for everybody just because you know the truth. You know, we just don't have tragedies in this church. And I'm not going to go over there and knock on wood. We just don't. We don't, do we? When was the last time someone in this congregation who was a real part of this congregation died in tragic circumstances? When ever have we had a real member of our church uh, uh, have, a, have a child? I mean, they were here and they were locked in and they're with you. you never. Never. God's good. He's so good. And it's not me. There's nothing to brag about about me. But when there's a church that is at least preaching some truth, it creates an atmosphere, a, a portal, a way that God can get in and reach our lives that our precious brothers and sisters down the road do not enjoy. That's 
But when you're standing over the hospital bed of a loved one that doesn't come to this church, you know, they can be free. God wants them to be free, but they've got to embrace the truth. I've had Christians flat persecute me, get angry with me when I quoted the Bible to them. I just quoted the Bible to them. Good news for their situation. But to indicate, if, if there's any indication in their mind and heart, and there is, that they have something to say about it, they, they get viscerally yeah. upset about that because they know and believe they do not want to hear, I have a part to play. They right. do not want to hear that. They want to put it all off on God. Well, number one, that's how you die early. Number two, that's how you get to heaven. And the first encounter you're going to have is, honey, you didn't, that was not right what you're thinking. Come on in. Come on in. Go to that very full class over there with every Christian that's gone to heaven early. Go to Dr. Dufresne's class. Go to, you know, when I showed up in college, I, I did get a fairly good ACT score, enough to get in plus a few points. That's all I cared about. But I had to, my math scores in high school weren't good enough for OU. I had to take a remedial algebra class as a freshman. Well, there's heaven remedial class. If you'd like to skip that class, pay attention to Dr. Cody. What I'm trying to tell you here. Let's go to 2 Corinthians. And let's look at one of these massive sacred cows. We've already in this series, if you weren't with us, Killed that thing about Job. I mean, we just slayed it, didn't we? About Job. Now, everyone in this church, we want to be Job now. Because we know how to not open the door of Job open. And we saw that God, the moment he got that door shut, blessed him with twice as much as he had before. So go back on our podcast on our website and get that. If you miss it, it will help you. It will set you free. But now we're going to look at, come on, Paul's thorn. It won't take us just a few minutes to look at this, but Paul's thorn. You ever heard that? What about Paul's thorn? Yeah, people that don't believe, people that believe that God uses sickness for his purposes to bless and sanctify his children. Amen. They, they, they are two things they love to point to, Job and Paul's thorn. Paul's thorn. Amen. Amen. And I've said it before. I'm just going to say it, try it sweetly again. You wonder about people's reading ability. But this is how pervasive and how strong, how blinding tradition is. If you've heard people that have gone to seminaries and have degrees and large churches and stand in black robes with a cross on whatever and tell you God made Paul sick to keep him humble. That was his thorn. And you never read yourself, you never studied yourself. See, that gets in you, gets in you, gets in you. It's taking a root in you. And me saying that's not true one time, your mind just might just, nah, kick that out. That little, that firebrand preacher from Oklahoma, he, he you know, he don't have that PhD, that post hole digger degree. He don't have that. Amen. But let's just actually take a moment and look at what the scripture says. I think it, you'll find it interesting. So 2 Corinthians 12, beginning in verse 1, 
Paul is writing and he says, It is not expedient for me, doubtless to glory. I will come to visions and revelations of the Lord. Now, theologians across the spectrum agree that the next verses that Paul's talking about, he's talking in third person about himself. He said, I knew a man, referring to himself, in Christ above 14 years ago. Whether in the body, I cannot tell, or whether out of the body, I cannot tell. I think that's interesting, right? You have a spiritual experience and it's so real, you don't know if you're in the body or out of your body. uh, God knoweth. Such a one caught up That's the same word used in rapture scriptures. To the third heaven. And I knew such a man, whether in the body or out of the body, I cannot tell God knoweth, how that he was caught up into paradise. Paradise used to be down. Now notice the language. Paradise is now up. And heard unspeakable words, which is not lawful for a man to utter. So Paul heard things in heaven he was not allowed to utter on the earth. Of such a one will I glory... Yet not of myself, of myself I will not glory, but in my infirmities. For though I would desire to glory, I shall not be a fool. For I will say the truth, but now I forbear. Lest any man should think me above that which he uh, seeth me to be, or that he heareth of me. Now notice this, verse 7. We're going to get to the rub in the road. And lest I should be exalted above measure. Now, religion tells us that phrase right there, that's a bad thing. Oh my gosh, that's a bad, that's a bad thing, Brett. That's a bad thing to be exalted above measure. But I'm going to prove to you in just a moment. Just a, It doesn't take long, just a couple minutes. That's exactly what God is wanting to do with all of us. Amen. And God hath highly exalted him, giving him a name. Above every other name. Did God exalt Jesus? Is he an exalter? Is he a promoter? Where are we sitting in him? Same seat. It is, it is. Now Paul says, now lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelation. So he says, I've received revelation from God. In dramatic ways, I've been to heaven. I saw it. I heard things I can't even tell you about. It's classified. And these revelations, I'm going from town to town. I'm going from city to city. And I'm sharing the truth of all that Jesus won and all that Jesus purchased in his death, burial, and resurrection. And those revelations are exalting me and they're exalting other people. Now stop right here and don't, don't read on. You think the devil's excited about that? That Paul's receiving revelations from heaven and he's, he, he's a guy that just won't quit and he's going everywhere in the known world telling everybody about it? You think the devil's excited about that? Of course not. Of course not. Amen. Somebody say amen. Just help me. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Through the abundance of the revelations, there was given to me. Did it say God? Did he say God gave to me because he doesn't want me to be exalted? No, it says there was Given to me a thorn in the flesh. Did everybody see a comma? Is that a typo you think? Comma? Now, now, when you see a phrase like that and there's a comma, a lot of times grammatically it's going to tell us clarification's coming. It's either going to have an and, additional information, or a but, contrasting something, right? 
or without it, like in this case, there's nothing. There's clarification coming. Clarification coming. Clarification coming. So he said, there was given unto me a thorn in the flesh, comma, the messenger of Satan. Does God have Satan on the, on the payroll? Does Satan have a side office on the throne, in the throne room, where they go and consult together and he gets his marching orders? People believe that. People believe that. They read Job and they believe that. They read Job and they believe that. Job's got a little side, or God's got, Satan's got a little side office where he goes in and has these little secret plans with, with the devil. Okay, the thorn in the flesh, what was it? Do you have to go to seminary to get that figured out? Did, did you see that, Ryan? Did you see that? The what? Messenger. That word messenger is the Greek word for angel. In most other places, it's angel. So it literally says the angel of Satan. The angel of Satan. What is Paul's thorn in the flesh? Well, let's, let, I want to check this, con- this side of the congregation over here. How are we doing, everybody? You know, are we confused? The messenger. You think it says something different in the Greek? No. The messenger of Satan. The emissary of So who sent it? So here's the picture. Paul's having revelations. He's sharing them with the body of Christ. Churches are popping up in every city. And you know what happens? The devil goes, oh, we cannot have this. We cannot have this guy know what he knows and be as committed as he is and as radical as he is. We already beat him up, shipwrecked him, whipped him, took his money from him, put him in jail. He just won't shut up. He just won't quit. We're going to have to pull out the big gun. It's time to throw the kitchen sink at this guy. So the devil assigns a message, an angel of his to Paul. Common sense is for what? To stop him, to hinder him, to cause trouble for him. If you were the devil, that's exactly what you would do. Yeah. Come on. I love the word. So, but, but these religious people, they, 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 they take some language here. Okay, so the messenger of Satan to buffet me. Now, this word buffet means to strike with blow after blow. That's what it means. There's nothing in that word that means sickness. Nothing in that word that means sickness. It just means to strike with blow after blow. Now he says it again, lest. Now why was this messenger of Satan given to him? Lest I be exalted above measure. This is so sad, guys. I read yesterday commentary after commentary, commentary after commentary. Dakota, none of them got it right. Now that may sound arrogant on my side. You be the judge. But they all said, God did this to Paul through the devil to keep him humble. Because he can't get uh, too elated. Many of the commentaries said he can't get too excited. Can't get too excited about a revelation from God. God doesn't want you to get too excited, Brother Philip, when he shows you something. That's what religion wants us to believe. Don't get too excited about by his stripes you're healed now. Get excited. Not too much. 
And if you go telling people and people really start getting helped and there's revival breaking out, oh God, God can't, you got to keep you humble now. So we're going to go over into the side office and get the devil to strike your life. Does it sound like the God we know and love? Of course not. But we know why this was given, lest he be exalted above measure. Really, it's not him. It's the revelation Satan's scared of. Now, look at this, verse 8. For this thing, (laughs) I besought the Lord. Three times I begged the Lord. Three times, guys, I talked to the Lord. And I asked him, take this thing away from me. Please, please, God, take this away from me. And let's read what, what God's response was. It says in verse 9, And he, God, said unto me, You put up with this. I want you to have it. That's what they tell you in every commentary in the world that I, that I studied. Now, I didn't study every commentary in the world, but I studied 10 or 12. And they all said, God said, Paul knew God gave it to him. So God asked him to, Paul asked him to take away three times. And God said, no, no, honey, this is good for you. I know you don't understand. But it's good that your back is bleeding and that you've got scars. It's good. It's good. It's going to keep you humble. Keep you humble, Paul. We've got to keep you humble. So we've got to beat you with rods. We've got to let you spend a day and a night treading water in the deep. How to keep you humble, Karen. God wants you to be you humble, faith. Yeah. And so he asked God, oh, please take this away from me. And God said, no, no, I'm not taking it. You put up with it. You put up with it. That's what they read in those scriptures, Red. That's what they, that's what they see. But is that what it says? No. It's not what it says. Forgive me for being frustrated. That's not what it says. It's what some people think it says, but that's not what it says. What did it say? He says, but my grace is sufficient for thee. That is not put up with it. God is reminding his son, my grace is enough. I don't need to do anything more for you. You want to know what Paul was doing here? He's doing what so many Christians, he's asking God to do for him what God told him to do. Nowhere in the New Testament can you find a prayer, a Christian praying, God, do something about these demons. Please do something about this devil in my life. Never. Every single time. It says, resist the devil, and he will flee from me. Resist the devil. Behold, I give unto you power. I give unto you authority. He wasn't kidding when he said it. I gave you power. I give you power to tread, to tread on serpents like that. God wasn't saying Paul put up with it. He was saying, son, I know, I know it's rough. I know this this is a mean demon following you around, causing all kinds of trouble for you. I'm just reminding you, honey, what I've already given you is enough. This word grace, many think it means unmerited favor, and it does, but in this, it means something else. It means Ability, God's ability, God's ability. What did he say? Maurice, he said, my, Paul, my ability, my ability is sufficient. In other words, he said, I don't need it. You get, you take what you know from these revelations and you deal with that devil. And you know, he did. He never brings it up again. 
He never brings it up again. Now let's just drive the stake in this before we go. People believe that this messenger of Satan was some sort of eye disease. They have the medical term for it. And let's go to a scripture. Can you handle just another minute or two? Galatians, Galatians chapter four. They, they believe that Paul had pus in his eyes. His, he had uh, a disease in his eyes. I don't have the medical name this morning. And that's what they believe. And that this came from God, this eye disease came from God. In closing, I'm just going to show you, it was not an eye disease. And it wasn't, I already showed you it wasn't from God. You need to know when stuff shows up in your life or tries to, you need to know where it's from. Where it's from. I want to know where it's from. Where this box, this box. You know, we were in Nashville at the baggage claim. This little lady with a blue shirt, TSA shirt on. She goes, whose back, little lady, whose backpack is this? I said, ma'am, we all did. It's not mine. <laughs> and my little crew, they, they, and I'm still standing there. And uh, she's looking around. I mean, whose bag is this? Well, finally, the, the, he's probably a young guy in his 20, 25, 26. He walks up and goes, it's mine. Oh, she, she, you know better than that. But you know, when we saw, we want to know where it's from. We ain't just going to open it. I want to know where it's from. Whose is that? Listen, when sickness shows up in a blood test, you need to know where it's from. Who left that here? That's not mine. That's not mine. That bursitis, that's not mine. That's not mine. Heart problem, that's not mine. High blood pressure, that's not mine. That doesn't belong to me. Who left this here? You need to know it wasn't from God. Why would you, this is how the devil's so tricky. Why would you resist if you believed it was from God? If you believe that God is even indirectly behind your sickness, you won't fight it. You won't fight the good fight of faith against it. Even if you wanted to, you couldn't because that question would dog your mind and rob your heart of faith. You have to know that you know that you know that you know that God is on your side. God is on your side. He's your healer. He's your healer. Galatians 4.13 says, you know, Paul's writing, he says, you know how through infirmity of the flesh I preached the gospel unto you at first. So Paul was preaching through some sort of physical problem. Okay? And my temptation, which was in my flesh, you despised it not, nor rejected, but you received me as an angel of God, even as Christ Jesus. Where then is the blessedness you spoke of? For I bear you record that if it had been possible, you would have plucked out your own eyes and given them to me. See, he's having a problem with them now because they're wanting to leave the faith and go back into Judaism. And he's reminding them, hey, what happened? When I was with you, I didn't, I was not a pretty picture. And I would preach to you in physical infirmity. And you didn't reject me. You did not receive me because of my physical problem. You received me as a messenger of God, even as Christ. 
He said, you, you so loved me that if you could have, you would have plucked out your own eyes and given them to me. So obviously, he had something going on with his eyes. Well, to try to really condense this, we won't go there, but write the reference down so you know I'm not playing with you. If you were to trace Paul's ministry into Acts chapter 14, he is, and start reading in verse 5, you'll find that he ministered to a man at Lystra who was uh, lame in his feet from birth, and he was supernaturally healed. Well, some people were so excited about that, they stoned him to death. He was either dead or the disciples thought. They stoned him in the city and then picked his body up, his lifeless carcass, and threw it outside the city. Now the disciples came and seeing him as dead, no doubt they prayed and God raised him up. Whether he just looked dead or was dead, they stoned him until he at least looked dead. Now, I looked it up. Lystra is in the region of Galatia. He fled from here and went to another city called Derby. That is also, that is where he preached this. Galatians. He, that's where he went. That's where this event happened. He wasn't, he didn't have pus in his eyes because of a disease. Imagine, friends, as we close here. If, if a crowd started pelting your head with stones till you died, what must your face look like? Have you ever seen somebody after a boxing match, like when Mike Tyson just went off on somebody or Evander Holyfield? Have you ever seen them? Have you ever seen somebody with their, they just hit so hard, their, their eyes swollen shut, black, blue, nasty. Can you imagine Paul is raised up from this stoning, but he is black and blue. His eyes are swollen from this stoning. And he goes, let's go preaching, boys, and let's go to Derby. Let's go to Derby. And he's preaching, and they said, oh, we would pluck our eyes out and give them to you. But Paul never said he was sick. He never said he was sick. Never, never, never said he was sick. Could you just endure, endure one more, one more scripture, one more? That's uh, all I ask. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Now, what was, see this, what was Paul's thorn in the flesh? In every case where the word thorn is used, like Hosea, Ezekiel, back in Numbers, it's always a personality that is the thorn. It's always an enemy that causes trouble. It is never used in Scripture to highlight a disease. Never. This, thorn, this demon followed Paul around everywhere he went and stirred up trouble. Paul had revival and or riot everywhere he went. And he tells us in a one little list of a lot of the things that he went through. And... Um, where can we pick it up, guys? Let's see. Verse 23. Let's look at that. 2 Corinthians eleven twenty-three. 23. Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am more. Now notice he starts listing stuff. In labors, more abundant. In stripes, above measure. In prisons, more frequently. Look at this. 
in deaths often. He died often. It'd be pretty, pretty radical to hang out with this guy, right? You know, I die about every other, every six months or so I die, you know. Get stoned, get whipped to death, starved to death in prison. You know, in deaths often. He just says it. Of the Jews, five times received I 40 stripes, save one. 49 times. What must his back look like? Thrice, three times I was beaten with rods. You know what that is? They take a cane rod, like a bamboo stick, and they, they take your boots off, your sandals off, and they beat the bottoms of your feet repeatedly with that cane. Sounds fun. Three times I suffered shipwreck. A night and a day I have been in the deep. In journeyings often, in perils of waters, I get trouble in the water. I get trouble with robbers, perils of robbers, perils of my own people. <laughs> perils by the heathen, perils in the city. <laughs> he could make a song, right, about his perils. Perils in the city, perils in the wilderness, perils in the sea, perils among false brethren, in weariness and painfulness, in watchings often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and in nakedness. And besides all that, the burden I have for all the churches. Wow. The daily care I have of all the churches. So there's a list. Did, did this messenger of Satan... He did his job. He buffeted Paul everywhere he went. And Paul gives an exhaustive, comprehensive list of what he went through. What's not in that list? Sickness. Did the stoning give him memory loss? It looked like a pretty comprehensive list. If everywhere he went he couldn't see, he had to be led around by the hand because God gave him a sickness to keep him humble. Come on, guys. You've seen. I think God's helped us present this. This is another tradition that people hold to that stands in the way of people being healed. I don't feel led to lay hands on you and minister to you that way, but you could receive. The truth will heal your body. The truth will heal your body. Faith in the truth. Just even if you knew this, being reminded and stirred up about our God doesn't do what tradition told us that he does. It's the devil that did that. I always read in the New Testament when God wanted someone humble, what did he say? You got it. You got it. You get a Starbucks. Humble yourselves. Every time. So, get this. If God employed Satan to do this to Paul, to humble him. Well, what does God do to the humble? The Bible says in Matthew, he exalts the humble. This is upside down. So if the devil's working for God to humble Paul through all this suffering, the end result is only going to be 
More exaltation. <laughs> Does that make sense to you? No. It don't. And it shouldn't. It's a lot more simple. God was exalting and the devil didn't like it. And as you come up in the things of God and you join yourself to this church, expect a fight. Expect a fight. Amen? But we need to go out, time is short, and tell people the truth. You can stand up on your feet. God is a good God. Amen? And he wants to pull out the thorn out of your flesh. Amen? If you sense the devil dogging your tracks and harassing you, I want to tell you as you go, God's grace is sufficient for you. Who he made you to be, the name he gave you, the authority he gave you, the blood he gave you, the shield he gave you, the sword he gave you is more than enough. You just look at that messenger of Satan and say, enough's enough, I bind you. You cease and desist in your maneuvers against me. And that'll be it, friend. Huh. Hallelujah. Oh, so Father, we thank you for the truth, the truth, the truth.